Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 69th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by Scarlett Johansson's number one fanboy, Jaden. Hello. And the Cobra to my Caesar, a.k.a. Fitzy, a.k.a. Liam. Hey. What up? What up? What up? Ape not, ape not kill ape. What does he say? Yes, yes. Ape not kill ape. You are, but you, then he at the end he goes, you are not ape, you know? Mm, yeah. Good moment. Let's him fall. It was a good moment. It was a good moment. Wow, we're spoiling the movie real fast right here. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. And this week, that movie is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which opened in the US on the 11th of July, 2014. It was directed by Matt Reeves. The genre is an action drama. And the synopsis tells us, a growing nation of genetically evolved apes led by Caesar is threatened by a band of human survivors of the devastating virus unleashed a decade earlier. I was not expecting the time jump, no. which I, I probably should have because I knew it was like post-apocalypse and shit, but like 10 years, you know, Caesar's got a family now and shit. That was cool. I wasn't expecting that. Fitzy, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, your rewatch, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty damn good, pretty great. Um like it's always been my favorite of the three, and I remember the the first I saw it in the theaters um, as well, and I think it was a great uh, theater experience. And I don't know it's just um, it's a very good looking film. The CGI is um, you know improved even more from the first, and I don't know like Caesar's just his whole. It's somewhat traditional stuff, like his whole like leadership story in this, and just all the little slights. I don't know. It's just a great movie. Yeah, it's, it's very the emotions, like the first one, the apes, is so expressive as well. It's just you feel a lot. So there's a lot to there's a lot to like. Yeah, Jaden. Yeah, I I I forget I forget how good this movie actually is and how much I actually like it. You know, it's 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 always been. You know, I always regard it highly. I've spoken about it quite a bit to you guys. I think I, I think I have. Have I? I feel yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I feel I like I've say. touted. You know, I've tried to campaign it towards you for a while. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, like watching it this time, I was kind of shocked at how good it was. You know, because <laughs> like it just slipped my mind. It's been a few years, and um, no, I, I really love the experience all over again. That's awesome. I um, I, I thought the movie was great too. I have some quibbles. Um, but in most ways, it is the evolution of the previous film that I was looking for. And I don't know if it was just because um, I look for it a little. I don't think so. But I really think Matt Reeves put his visual stamp on on this movie. I really can see that. I think he really elevated the material. Um, and I really enjoyed that about it. Along with, of course, more than anything else, seeing the next step in Caesar's story. I want to break down the film visually if you'll indulge me a little bit. I want to start there. This is Matt Reeves's jumping on point for this franchise. And I think Cloverfield was his major standout project before this chain. Is that is that fair to say? Because I had a look through his filmography and nothing stood out to me prior, but I don't know if there was anything else. Yeah, that's, but, um, I think that's fair. Did you dig what he brought here, Jade? I want to know. And were there particular, I don't know, were there particular elements, shots that stood out to you right, right off the bat? Yeah, that you were saying. Yeah, I, I, I think he he has a touch of class to the film. I, I think it's I think it's really evident in everything. I think um, 
like like the one shot that really got me was like you know after they turn on the power and like there's that like get like the gas station in like the middle of the woods and like that's the sole thing illuminate like that's such a oh yeah such a class shot yeah and like um like you know I, I think there's things like that littered throughout the movie I think I think it's I just think there's there's, there's evidence of improvements everywhere and like I just think the storytelling is once again elevated in the way it's uh, I think it's kind of hybrid of like you know the the sign language and the spoken I think the evolution of the dialogue that the apes have is reasonable without being you know cartoonish or whatever like, you know it's not like the in in the original where they're touting full you know Shakespearean esque dialogue and stuff oh, so like right. um, yeah. Like um no, I I really appreciate everything that he brought to the franchise. Any yeah, okay. yeah, go for it. Uh, um like some things that stood out was like okay, like the zoom in and zoom out um at the start and the end, um the like tracking shots. Uh, not like the shots where the camera like has these like dives, like with the with the deers at the start and the um the shot where Cobra's like Cobra's like travelling down they're like trees or whatever and it's like it's tracking him and his like eight friends and he's going to the, caesar like stuff like that the one where he's on the tank and the tank's spinning and it just and it's just carnage yeah yeah, like, yeah. That's such an amazing shot yeah it just stays there it's so yeah. great yeah i like how we all brought something different to i was gonna mine was the tank shot the tank oh, shot sorry and just kept going i don't know but then you brought up the 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 Gas station, one hundred percent. Didn't even think of it. The the deer stuff. Didn't even think of it, but it was great too. Um, I also, I mean, the tank shot was terrific. It just kept going, and I love the um, another one that just kept going was the the shot following uh, Jason Clark's character's name is Malcolm, I believe, and the shot following him through the San Francisco building as he's trying to avoid being seen by all the apes that are running through the. The, the building with him and stuff and the shot just kept going and, for, and it was amazing super well you know block staged all that and then the way it ends on panning around the corner and you just know oh, so, someone's going to be standing there right and then it's C- caesar jr is that his name yeah blue eyes i don't know what his name was oh it was, was um, that? oh blue eyes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah 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 oh that was no that was absolutely terrific i love that and the end of the movie as well that long zoom in and then just, yeah. to, I think I feel like they were just showing off at that point, right? Like, look, look yeah. at all the CG wrinkles. <laughs> look how cool it is. Yeah. Even um, just talking about like the visual style of the film, that that opening montage of um, of like just new snippets of like you know just two minutes of like context of like the past ten years. I think that was so brilliantly cut together and just just. Mm. I think I think the oh, yeah. the yeah. you know the voice lines they chose and the the, the, the clips they used. I, I I thought that was excellent. Excellent opening montage. It was really good. Did it feel a bit too real, though? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little, but yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a great point. And uh, I mean, just generally outside of specific shots, I really enjoyed the the film's overall sort of rainforest aesthetic and overgrown feel to it. You know, it felt super consistent. I didn't necessarily think we'd stick around in San Francisco and seeing a direct evolution of the same setting from the last movie and 10 years later, one-to-one is really cool. And, you know, it's something I, I feel like I bring up a lot, but the movie does a great job establishing its setting and its geography. You know, you really get a great sense of where things are. And, you know, like we mentioned the gas station already for a great shot, but it's we see it multiple times throughout the movie. Um, and you sort of create, we understand, because it's so important to the story of 
the conflict between the humans and apes and where they are in their territory, you, you understand the proximity there. And I don't know. I thought that was all really well done. I just, I just, I don't know. Something about seeing all these cool cities in the post-apocalypse, I just love. I just love that shit. And the Golden Gate Bridge is back and shit. I love that. Um, let's talk about some characters because why not? We'll start with the goat. We'll start with Caesar. And he can, for me, he just continues to be, I don't know, he continues to be an incredibly compelling protagonist in this series. The script, along with, of course, you know, the can't be understated Andy Circus just killing this. And all those things really do the character justice. The fact that he's, the fact that he's as compelling as he is as a CG monkey character is amazing. Every second he's on screen, at least for me, he has my full attention, you know, and I still think I, I still think I might prefer Circus's performance from the first movie just because there was a bit more uh, variety there. You know, we're seeing Caesar's transformation throughout the years, whereas here he's sort of more, he's established in his role as leader. But that doesn't take away from what's done here for sure. And I don't know, I, I thought it was great. What Any any comments? Or are we all just going to repeat like, yeah, dude, it was sick. What, what else can I tell you? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I think we all agree he's pretty amazing in this, yeah. For sure. The only thing I would say, I mean, I didn't, I don't know how I felt about the family, you know? Dude, I had no idea that Judy Greer was the uh, the wife. I mean, like, you know, obviously you're not meant to know, like, you know, she's a fucking monkey, I'm not meant to really tell. <laughs> but, like, you know, I just, like, I've seen this movie a few times and, like, I've just never Who's seen her name. Wow, that's weird. Who's the wife? Uh, Judy Greer. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who she was in Jurassic Park. She's got a very recognizable like face. I just don't know what to point oh, to. Um, like she plays a lot of side characters, so I don't know. Was the wife in the first movie? Was she like around? You know, like in the compound or whatever. Because I don't. I, I didn't think, think so. so. No, I don't think she was. Yeah. I'm just I don't to think, know. Who I just was, wait, who was the ape that they that, that that was taken away to the lab that they went to rescue? What was that? That what was that one then? Oh. I'm trying, oh. To, I'm just trying to remember if that was her. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, Damn. I liked seeing okay. I like seeing um Rocket and um Maurice from the first one, um as oh, well dude. Uh, as like dude. his loyal, yeah, his loyal followers. And there's like that one shot of them in the bus where they see the symbol and it's like all three of them are like symbolically like standing with them. It's just, that's a great shot as well. But, dude, um, Maurice, I'm so glad they named that dude. He was my guy in the first movie. He's just even more my guy in this movie. He's a legend, dude. Oh, and yeah. the fact he's like bros with like Jason Clark's son. That was cool too. And they're like reading together. That was cute. I like that. That was great. Yeah. Was, uh, um, Jason Clarke's is Aussie, and I'm pretty sure Cody Smith McPhee is also Aussie. Oh, is he? Okay, I'd seen him before too. Yeah, Jason Clarke is for sure, for sure. How do you feel about him in the movie, Jaden? I haven't seen him in, I don't think, like a leading, you know, protagonist, good-hearted man role. <laughs> good-hearted man role. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. I, I, was, I thought he was solid. Yeah, I really like him because um, I think I mainly know him from uh, Great Gatsby. I'm sure there's something else. Hold on, let me... Oh, yeah. Wait, what is he? I know him from Devil all the time. He's the oh yeah, Zero Dark Thirty as well. He's one of the main soldiers. Yes, and he's um, in yeah yeah. No, I've seen him. Yeah, I, I really like Jason Clarke. I think he's great. I think he's really great in this movie. I think he's got 
emotion, but he's also a good action man, you know. I think um yeah, you know, I I love the backstory they create with him and Gary Oldman's character. Yeah, no, I really I really like um I really like him in this movie. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I sort of feel like I more often associate him with sort of villainous characters. I don't know why. It's Maybe nice. I'm just I don't know. He, he sort of has a villainous sort of face, doesn't he? Yeah, you know? he does, yeah. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so no, I was impressed by him here. What a, did you did you feel the same way, Fitzy? Oh, yeah, I think it was good. Um I think I think I heard this criticism of the movie once though that you can't describe I don't know if they were talking about him, but they said you can't describe this character without any traits that you would describe as a rock, you know? Like like solid, you know, tough, you know. Which is funny, but um I don't like I'm not saying I'd call it's like it, it's like <laughs> compassionate. I'd call it compassionate. I think so. A yeah, rock's compassionate. I guess so. Yeah. The rock is. You know? How would you rate his face um, in terms of how villainous sin is on a scale of one to ten? I don't think he has a villainous face, really. I mean. No? It's not like he, a yard of four. He's a very believable good guy in this, I think. He is. But his um, face, you know, it's <laughs> it is a bit right. <laughs> is it? I don't know. I think so. And of course. We already mentioned him, but the the OG Gary Oldman up in here, Tra- dude. I, I just I feel like this this to a lesser extent, obviously, because it's not like he's got prosthetics or anything crazy. But like, I stand by, dude. Every time Gary Oldman shows up in a movie, it always like is that Gary Oldman for like one second. You're always like, you know what I mean? It's not. It's never just like he's just turning up as himself or whatever. He always does something. Like he's got the glasses and the and the hair going on, and obviously he's doing the American accent. So there's always something that sort of he brings to the table in every role, and I, I, I mean, it's Gary Oldman. You know, how can you not enjoy him, really? So, I thought he was terrific as well. Did he die at the end of the movie? I feel like I missed something there. Yeah, he blew himself up. Oh yeah. Oh right. But then, wait, hang on. I'm trying, Jason, but Jason Clark's fine. Yeah, because he hid behind the like the ledge of the rail thing. I mean, like it's it's super dodgy, like yeah. that part. But I mean, like you know. So, yeah, right, right. No, because I do remember that. Yeah, because my thing was I sort of assumed, I guess, because Jason Clark was fine, that Gary Oldman would be fine too, but then he, they never showed him again, so I assumed he was dead. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. Honestly, probably, if anything, you know, just because I'm a Gary Oldman fanboy, I, I would have liked a bit more time with him. But even, I don't know, but even the stuff we do get with him, like that one subtle scene where he's, I guess it's not subtle, but... Or he's like, or he's like, you know, crying over his family's photos and stuff. Like, it's good stuff, you know. I can't complain. Watching some good actors act, you know. I like it because he's never really a villain. Like at the like, we see like some like extremities towards the end, but like even then, he's just trying to protect the colony because he doesn't, you know, he's just doing what he thinks he knows and stuff. So I think like, I really like yeah. that he's he's not a villain, you know, which would have very easily been, you know, they very easily could have dipped into that and made him bad. But he's he's a good character. He's a good person, you know. I think um, I really like that about it. Sure, yeah. And I mean, it sucks for us because we're invested in the apes and the and Caesar and stuff. So when he revealed that he's got you know got able to detonate the building, I was like, oh no, Caesar. But I, hey, if I was in that position, that'd be a that's a killer plan. I'd be like, dude, hundred percent. Just blo- I totally understand. I'd be like, blow up that building. You've got them all right up there. You can end this war and all this war in like a second. I get it. Mm, yeah. That is weird though that like like all this is placed 
like all, all the problems in the world are placed on the apes but like if you kill the apes it doesn't get rid of the flu you know it's not like they're not the source of the flu like maybe originally but like you know if you kill them all there's still the virus you know oh sure yeah yeah, yeah. but they yeah. get rid of the still the imminent danger you know of- oh yeah like at that point yes I don't understand the reinforcements thing then, you know, like the other, yeah. I don't, think, I, I, think, I don't think all of them were, I think a, a fair few of them were, but I don't think all. And that's oh, sure. Yeah. That's a significant the number. Army. Wait, yeah. what are you talking about? All were what? What are you saying? No, I, I, I think like there was a few apes up there. I think, I think it's they, they knew the important ones were up there somehow. It's like, that's why I wanted to de- detonate the building. But, like, there was still, like, a lot of eggs oh, yeah. on the ground, and that's why they needed the reinforcements. Yeah, I'm just saying that, like, I guess this is a complaint for the next movie, but, like... Oh, shit. I don't know, like, they treat, like, this war thing like it's going to finish the virus, you know, but it's not, you know? Well, they know but it's the eggs... not going to... Because, I mean, like, like they acknowledge at the start that the only reason that they're alive now is because they're all genetically immune to it. Like, they know yeah. the virus is, like, is, like, kind of insignificant now. Oh, the humans are immune. Yeah. So they just want to kill the apes because they're uh, a threat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I thought the humans are immune. I guess. It sounds like they do do something with that in the next movie, maybe. But just from this movie, my first experience, I didn't, I didn't get anything at all that they were killing them to do had anything to do with the virus. I didn't, I didn't get that. No. Yeah, I forgot that they were immune. So I guess it makes sense now. Sure. It's just sure. like if you have the virus, you know. Your first priority is going to be killing the apes, was my thought. But I guess the virus isn't a problem in this at this point. Yeah. Talking about Cobra, the villain, of course, serial killer looking ape from the first movie, that was clearly going to be the villain. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. I, I feel like there's some connective tissue here that might, that you guys can give me that might totally fix this for me, but... I wrote specifically in the first half of the movie that, you know, Cobra had this conflict with Caesar the whole movie that's like, don't trust the humans, don't do this. But in the first half, I got that, you know, I appreciated that. I understood that character because he was always coming from a place of loyalty and concern about protecting Caesar. You know, like there's multiple times where Caesar's like, dude, shut up, just listen to me. And Cobra's like, sorry. And like, they're, they're like, bro's still and it's okay. And he's just sort of expressing concern. And then we sort of, I feel like we go from that to Cobra shooting him like really fast. You know, I just didn't, maybe I was reading too much into the first bit, but I just sort of didn't buy. I felt that his whole motivation was he really wants to protect Caesar and the family. And that's why he's trying to mess with the humans. But then he ends up just shooting Caesar and taking power for himself. You know, I just didn't, I didn't think that's what he was about, but. It's the same way that, know, uh, that Daenerys snaps in season eight. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's a favor. I don't know, but is that does that resonate with you guys at all, or am I am I making this shit up? No, I, I, no, I, I'm fine because Cobra was always meant to be a, a foil of Caesar. He was meant to be he was meant to be Caesar if he didn't enjoy if if he had a bad life experience and if he came out hating him. That's that's pretty much exactly what Cobra is, you know. Um, and I I I, I don't really think it's I, I think it's more of a stacking thing of you know there's there's that one threat that breaks the camel's back, you know, so like. I feel like that's the point where we see the term. You know, it's this repeated non-listening and it's this already built up hate of the humans and mistrust and 
I, I don't think he – I mean, once he gets the power, is like when he's kind of drunk with it. But I think he, his initial motivations to get there is just because, you know, he wants to protect what he has. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when he threw over the other – what was his name? Rocket? Was that Rocket that he threw over the edge? No, that was, was Ash. That someone else? Ash. Ash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah. Threw Ash. That was pretty – Breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah, that was dark, dude. That was dark. Now, from that moment onward, I'm like, all right, Koba. I mean, you've clearly got the evil character design, but I think I'm done with you. I don't think I can I can deal with you anymore. Although, I don't know, like, I I like the idea of Koba using the gun and he shoots Caesar to, you know, set this up to make it look like that the humans have attacked and, you know, create this false excuse to attack the humans. Like, I like that as an idea. I sort of found the moment a bit weird, though, because, like, Cobra shoots Caesar and then immediately, like, every no one bothers to look for Caesar's body at all. Then it's like, oh, I don't think that oh shit, oh, Caesar's yeah. dead. Oh, and, and even, like, Caesar Jr. is there, like, oh, my dad's dead. Oh, shit, all right. And then, Cobra, I'll follow you now. You know what I mean? Like, there's a fire I'm not going to well, find it. I guess, but I didn't, I I didn't think that, yeah. It was a bit quick. It was a bit quick. Again, a little bit of a plot nitpick, nitpick but I didn't really buy it. But I mean, like, if you shoot the leader, you know, it's kind of like people would be really angry, I guess, like, initially. I don't yeah, know. but you're not even going to go and, like, look for him? Like, what? what, what was, uh, like, yeah. Jason Clark is the one that found Caesar. What, were they all just going to, like, never attempt to look for him ever? You know what I mean? Were they just going to, like, or were they planning to come back a week later and, like, find his corpse? Well, I mean, the, like, their house was on fire as well, so they had to get out of that place pretty quickly. So, I don't know, maybe that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Co- yeah, I don't know. And maybe like, might be like all of them, they they ran off to war. You know how like they made like the women and children stay behind. Maybe they were meant to do like a search party. Who knows? Sure. Yeah. Maybe they were meant to. They were just too lazy to that. Yeah. And no. And they just they couldn't find it. You know, like uh, you know, mm-hmm. this grid search isn't working. We'll, tomorrow. Yeah, we'll regroup tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's like he's like, but he's like right there in the bush, and then the mummer apes like, oh, no, I don't, I don't see him. The thing is, I don't, I don't think, he, I don't think he is that close because like. Because, like, you know, it seems like he should just be, like, straight down. But then, like, yeah. where the characters find him is after a bit of a trek away. So, I don't know, maybe Caesar crawled somewhere to that point or some shit. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. It, the, the film, just continuity-wise, is a bit weird. A bit weird. It's a nitpick. But it, it was a bit weird for me. Oh, and speaking of the, the, the real... Forget Cobra, all right? Dude, the real villain of this movie is Carver. This dickwad. You know what I mean? This human being character. Oh, yeah, you know, that annoyed me so much when they... Okay, so he shot the ape, and then they're going to go back and renegotiate, and they brought him along, you know? That okay. was terrible. Like, why, why would you bring along the you... guy that shot the ape? Because they needed him. They, they literally say they need him because he's the only one that works with, like, oh, that's just, and just annoying, shit. though. Like... That's dumb as dog. That's annoying. That's, like, that's yeah. like plot. Oh, I hate that shit, you know? It's like... That's, like, so trying to force conflict in your script. I hate it. I hate it. But... Yeah, I'm with you, Fitz. I thought the same thing. I'm like, why Why would you bring this guy right now? He's clearly, mm. clearly can't handle working with apes, you know what I mean? But at least there's a reason. I'll give, It's something, you know what I mean? Oh. It's not like, oh, they're just totally dumb. Um, You know when we were memeing over that, um, that like, Matrix thing? Like, um, you, Jane, you were saying, like, um, you're memeing over this, like, idea of, like, the... Um, the power from the group, whatever, the dance rave, you know? 
Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, but I actually felt that when the lights came, when the music came on. Oh, right, for this the, one. Um, yeah. Yeah, and this one, it like, you know, you it made you feel for the that group, you know, for the humans. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, no. Like what the what was the line like? What they were fighting for or whatever? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Oh god, yeah. I, I I can't remember. Oh yeah, that was that was that was that was, that was horrendous though. Yeah. Not not not. Yeah, yeah. That orgy rave. This one was pretty good. I actually, really liked it. I like the way there was like no sound or like it was you know the the very low like only score and like they kind of moved in slow motion a bit. It was very very dramatic and romanticized moment. Speaking of the score. Am I gonna? Am I? Am I gonna do this? It's kind of. It's kind of a letdown, you know. You reckon? Didn't. Yeah, it didn't really do it for me, you know. Um, I just don't think it really brought the scale that the movie had and what I was seeing visually. You know, when I'm seeing these crazy, like, you know, the scale is so impressive. The final action set piece is really impressive, and like the sheer amount. We talked about the tank shot already, but it's everything surrounding that. You know, the crazy you know, stuff going on, the impressive CG and so many apes everywhere, you know, just everywhere on the screen. It's terrific. Every, what is it? Every frame is so much going on, but, but I don't know the score just wasn't, wasn't sort of backing that up in my opinion. I think the individual themes, I, I think I kind of, I think, I think like the themes of like, just like in the forest and like for the apes and like the way it kind of has like, you know, that like the kind of jungle drum thing. And like, I think like, yeah, even like the opening, like melancholic piano, as, as Disney as Disney describes it in their subtitles, or like you know, like um, or like I, I think in the in the quite I, I I think there's I think it excels in like the individual, but I agree with you about the scale. Like in in terms of the larger, it is um, bit, bit lacking. Sure, sure. But it's, I um, I appreciate you. Yeah, sorry, Nike. No, I was, I was just saying like the composer's like done everything. Like it's Michael Giacano, or however you say it. Oh, Giacchino, whatever his name is. Yeah. Giacchino. Oh, G- oh I feel bad now because yeah. I love him. Yeah. Sorry, Michael, this, I just want you to know if you're listening, Michael, that this is the first score you've ever let me down on because I love you. But, yeah, <laughs> he's great. <laughs> Subtitles, you know, I watch almost all films with them on these days and just they never cease to amaze me. They never cease to make me laugh. I had one. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure if, if you saw it, you would have seen it too, Jan. I got snorts approvingly. That was oh, terrific. Oh, yes, I, I got that actually. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. That's like, that's STS subtitle. I love that one. Mm. <laughs> Shout out to the moment when uh, Caesar, you know, it's not quite the no, but when he said go, you mm. know, so the humans the first time, he like shouted that. Mm. That was that, that got good. me. That was good. I like that a lot. I like how just like at that point, it doesn't reveal how like how much they've advanced in terms of like they're, they're like the apes ability to speak so you're kind of like you know i still this crude kind of shouting type thing but then like you know yeah. you know it reveals i have like an actual like third grade level of english speaking abilities oh and when like yeah. when, when maurice speaks like i like his, his voice is so deep i always forget and like 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 when when, when he says run like it's so like oh like, yeah, yeah that was good yeah. that was killer these people still great they make they're very careful to make sure every moment an ape speaks is impactful. You know, they never, I appreciate it. They never want you, I, I guess it's in contrast to the originals. I haven't seen them, but they never want the audience to take for granted that apes are speaking. You know, they never want it to just be like, oh, I'm just, or I'm just watching, I'm just watching apes speak, you know? Um, 
every single time, every single line, like you sort of, it's never lost on you that that's sort of crazy and impressive. Yeah, with the son, that was, that was a good moment. Like he didn't actually speak until um, until that moment where like Caesar was like, you know, on the cow and like he was hurt and he said like, like father, help, let me help you or whatever. That was that was good. How do we feel about the James Franco cameo? It was kind of a nice scene. It, yeah, dude. That's like yeah, it's here. In the hits right, hits right there in your in your non-existent heart. Yeah, in your hollow heart. Yeah, no, no, it was a great scene. Apparently, he didn't know he was in the movie, and he hadn't seen it. And like someone told him, like he was apparently being interviewed, and he was notified that he was in the movie. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't know that." That wasn't actually in the first one. It is it, just like like footage that was like on the cutting floor, and then they picked up again, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But no, it was. I don't didn't remember that. Nah, yeah. First one, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought he died in the first one, but I was I was wrong. Like I thought, I thought he died in the first one, but yeah, it wasn't. It's implied scene. he dies. Yeah, here, he, right? like he, he dies dead. off screen. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that was the scene right. where he died in the first movie, but oh. that didn't happen. No, like it, it's pretty standard stuff, and you know you shoot from a lower angle to convey power. But, like, the way that, like, Caesar, like, the way that, like, if, like, if he physically, like, you know, like, like, in that scene, like, like, Herb's challenging him a bit, like, when, like, Caesar stands up and, like, the camera kind of drops with him and, like, he, he feels like it grows so much and it just feels so intimidating. And it, like, that's, it's, it's so great. And, like, you know, I, I feel like there's, I mean, we, we already talked about the start and I'm, I'm sorry to bring it up again, but I just had, came back in. But, like, you know, the, the camera work is, it, it, it feels infinitely better, than, not infinite, but, like, Eight times better than the first one. Eight times. Eight times. Not seven times. No, nah, nine times. No, nah, eight times. Um, I mean, yeah, and not to discredit the work done on the first one, but the first one, when you're watching it, feels constructed like a, you know, it feels constructed like a Hollywood reboot of an old franchise. You know what I mean? Which yeah, it is. I think the first one is a good, is a, is a, is a great genre film, but this one feels like a great film. You know? Sure. It feels like this movie would work. Um. I was going to say without its budget, I don't know if the, the CG obviously wouldn't, but as, as just in terms of like at its core, what the sto- what it is, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, Along those lines, like like um how they show Caesar's power, um like the little interactions where he like like he like stops an ape that's like you know twice his size, like the massive apes or whatever, or like the way he just like you know uses his hands to like control people is like really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just he's just the best. I think Matt Reeves has a real brilliant way of like deriving what's most important from the story and then you know, like and then just like amplifying that factor. So like it's in the DVD commentary for war also like but like um you know, he talks about how all all the best war films are about the it's about the central characters and then, you know, the drivers of you know, they're the main drivers rather than the war itself. But I think that can be taken and applied to most of his films in that, you know, they're, they're, they're quite large spectacle, spectacles in terms of Cloverfield or Let Me In, you know, with the vampires and stuff like that. But he never focuses on the spectacle, but he focuses on the characters in that and uses that to just exacerbate everything else and just makes it so much better. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I'm excited for War. I really am. Yeah. Um, I've just seen... 
I don't think I've seen anything of it. I've just, you know, the poster, the scenario, I'm like, oh, shit. Dude, oh, was, shit. I, uh, the first, even, like, the opening shot is, like, like it, it just, like, just thinking about it just gets me on it. It's, oh, it's cool. so good. We got it. We got a month to wait, but I'm excited. Um, I mean, speaking of leading into war, I think Caesar as a character is in a really interesting place heading into it. You know, I don't want to brush over sort of I, – I talked about that he's sort of more one note in the movie just based on where he is in his life. But, you know, he has cool character progression in this movie and um, I think it's ideology, ideologically, I got it, really interesting for him heading into the next movie because he's in a position now where he's forced to fight a war he never wanted to start, you know, and now – you know, he talks about the empathizes more with humans at the end of this movie. Um, obviously, he relates more to humans from the start than any of the other apes because he lived with them. But there was always still, like we talked around the first movie, that that dissension between the two, like the awkward feeling when, you know, that scene in the first one where he's like being walked on a leash by James Franco. You know, there's always that dynamic at play that's sort of off. Um, and in this movie, because Tobit betrays him and Jason Clark helps him, he sort of learns, all right, there's a lot more in common between that between our kinds here. Um, I think that's interesting. And, you know, the, the, this war's happening, obviously. The movie's called War for the Planet of the Apes. So I'm just, I'm interested how Caesar's going to sort of deal with that, what he's, what's going to happen to him, you know? It's going to be cool. I can do trivia. Actual background to the film here. According to Matt Reeves, the original draft of the screenplay, which was written before he was hired, was set further in the future, with the apes having obtained the ability to speak almost flawlessly and Caesar playing a much smaller role in the movie. Reeves thought it would be more interesting to explore Caesar's story at an earlier stage and asked for permission to rewrite the script from scratch. His request was granted on the condition that he delivered the film in time for the release date. He wrote this movie, you know, this is yeah. very much his film. And it sounds like a, you know, I don't want to dismiss a screenplay I've never read, but it sounds like a much better decision, honestly. Like, well, that, 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 that one that never came to fruition sounds much more like the originals. It feels like they're going to try and go more along that line. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't. Because like I said, I really dig where the apes are at right now. They're, like, like we've talked about a million times, like it's cool seeing them learn how to speak and stuff. If we just missed that. If we jumped in this other hypothetical version of the movie and Morris is just like chatting, I'm like, oh, or Maurice. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, don't know about that. That's that, 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 that goes back to, you know, what I was saying about like Reeves finding the, the, the most important part and then pulling it and dissecting it, making it better. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he's um because doesn't like like I, I think he's kind of underappreciated in that aspect because he's kind of you know he's stuck with he, not stuck with but like you know he does work in like genre films you know like horrors and sci-fi and stuff and I think I, I feel like his his writing abilities kind of goes a bit under the radar. Sure, I don't know if he has a writing credit on War. I know he for the Batman he definitely is has that. I'm pretty sorry. I'm not sure if he has a credit, but like when, when like watching the DVD commentary and like about how he talks about it, it definitely seems like he had a, a massive part about it in the story, right? Yeah, because he like he, he was saying like um, I mean this is stuff like that, but like um, you know like um, I think they, they watched like a hundred and something like war films, like as like a research for that film, and then finding out what's best about it, and then like basing the script from those. Oh, dude, I'm just God. I'm becoming Matt Reeves' number one fan right now. This is great. You haven't even seen the Batman yet. I know. Oh my god, I, I need to keep my expectations in check for that because it's I'm too excited. How's this CG bear compared to the Revenant? Oh, the Revenant absolutely oh, blew actually, out of the water. I was actually thinking that. 
when I when I saw it. Um, Do we need to keep an ongoing ranking of CG bears in movies? The the bear in this is amazing, though. I thought like that's pretty great. It, no, it was it was great because I mean, any you know any CG anyone making CG films this high, they're, they're great at their job, right? Mm. Um, the Revenant shat on it though, like the Revenant just killed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could feel the weight of the bear through the screen. Yeah, you could feel it really clawing at Leo's skin, like every every inch of it. But, and I mean, I don't blame, I'm not like, it's not a criticism for me of this movie at all, because obviously this film also has to animate like 20 million apes as well. So it's, and the bear was all they had to do in The Revenant, you know, so that's a great point. I appreciate you bringing that up, Fitzy. Fitzy, final paragraph, thesis, conclusion from you on this film. By the way, Zach, I'm okay if you just get me here and go to the schools because, you know. Oh, you don't really I'm feel just, the need I'm to repeat re- yourself? I'm just repeating what I've already said. But sure, sure. That's yeah. fair enough. No, I, I, that's good. I appreciate that. Uh, the movie's great, though. Cool. Awesome. Jaden? I had this at an 8 out of 10 for the longest of time, but I think I I, th- I think I might need to pump it up to a 9. I think. Ooh. I, I, yeah, it's. You know, there's, there's very few things in this film that I criticize, and like this even less that I actually like dislike of the criticism. So I mean, like, I think it's an incredibly strong entry and, you know, so, you know, just nine out of 10. Hell yeah, dude. It's an eight from me. I think it's great. And I'm very excited to where we go next, wherever that may be. Even though it's clearly a war with Woody Harrelson, I think. That's exciting. I think you need, I don't want to say anything, but like, I think you can get shocked by what it is, the next one. Oh, okay. I like that. Hmm. Just, just a little bit. I'll, I'll ponder that. I'll ponder that. Uh, let's get into news chat. One of the biggest stories this week is, of course, ScarJo suing Disney for breach of contract. Now, I hope you guys don't mind. I hope you'll indulge me. I actually looked into this a bit more because I wanted to get a bit of a better sense of what's going on. And there's this great YouTube channel, Hoglaw, breaks down like all, all this like nerdy-ass nerdy like law stuff. I think it's really cool. So um, he's a lawyer. Go and check it out if you want. He actually breaks down the contracts and shit. What's his name? Hoglaw. Uh, I think it's just the way you'd expect it. H-O-E-G law. But So I'll just, I'll just quickly sort of give a summary that's a bit more in detail than just she sued him. Um, and then we can, we'll chat about it. But essentially what it is, of course, is the fact that Back when she had an agreement to make Black Widow back in the day, as per these tr- these contracts usually go, the film, the wording in the contract was wide theatrical release for Black Widow. That was the wording, right? Um, there, but Scarlett Johansson's team's argument is that everyone in the movie business all the historical implications of these contracts, everyone understands wide theatrical release, the phrase, to mean exclusive for 90 to 120 days. Everyone understands what that means legally, right? So that's their argument is actually more from a, like a, I forgot the actual legal term for it, but it's essentially they're suing them for breach of contract and sort of a breaking of good faith or good, you know, mutual understanding in that, you know, sure, Disney's argument, as you'd imagine, is, well, it did have a wide theatrical release and we also put on Disney+, Plus. but their argument is, well, essentially, 
we all have an understanding of what wide theatrical release means, and they, this isn't it. And from our perspective, this is a breach of contract. Um, and then, you know, as we know, Disney, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Disney then, you know, released their counter statement, which was essentially like <laughs> along the lines of- Such a joke. Scar, Scar Joe, um, we paid you $20 million for this movie, which by the way, like a bit, a bit out there of them to just say that, that how exactly how much they paid her. Um, we paid you $20 million for this movie. Um, we've compensated you for the Disney Plus thing, sort of essentially like- Get over it, you know. I guess, I guess, trying to appeal in the public view, maybe appeal to the idea of like, oh, look, she's super rich. Why is she complaining? She didn't get more money, you know. But nonetheless, I think I don't know the ins and outs of what the probability of, of who is winning or whatever. But it sounds like her her case has merit, you know. If that is not the terms in which they the two parties mutually understood the contract to be when they, you know agreed to it back in the day and then you know those terms are changed unfairly um so yeah i don't know that's sort of a bit of a bit of a summary for you all out there if that makes sense but how do we feel about it if we feel any which way which i'm sure we do well just to add to it yeah like because like the thing is that so that what the i saw is that the lawyers have it in writing that they that this would be a um that it would follow stand theatrically whatever you said and like when but like so then like Johansson tried to renegotiate the contract when she learned it was going to be on Disney Plus as well, but then like they just ignored her thing like that as well. So like even when she tried to 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 do something about this, is there was they just denied or just you know or they just didn't acknowledge that and just left it there. There's also that to yeah. you know her side. Absolutely, yeah. They they seem to sort of try and blow her off. And like um, even in like the um, I'm not sure if they released in the same statement that you mentioned, but like. Like there's something like all lines of oh it's irresponsible or insensitive of her to like be looking that for this shit and like statement. yeah yeah in yeah, like this COVID, COVID times yeah. and like that's it's it has nothing to do with what it is and it's trying to villainize her and like it's just so it's 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 just Disney being Disney it's just you know they're just dicks yeah it's sort of a weird the statement was sort of I don't know and who are they to it's say oh look how much money she has why would she want more when they're you know the biggest corporation on earth essentially. Oh sure, yeah, 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 but yeah, I know. That's but that that sort of felt like what they were going for, you know. But I don't know, like it's sort of a weird thing. This, like, I get obviously this is PR, you know, they're trying to navigate that side of things. But I don't know if the, their whole like insensitivity to to COVID is is something that can hold up in court. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't think so. But I'm looking at your video, so it says um. I'm looking at the thing. So it says, like, theatrical release means exclusively um, movie theaters. Um, it's saying that, like, it's implied to mean that, but, like, would that be, like, a legal... Like, how would theatrical release be, like, a legal term that, that like, ScarJo's lawyers could say, this is what it means, you know? Like, how could they argue that? Well, it's obviously not a legal term. I, I guess their argument is that they're going to try and prove... We that both parties understood what that meant when we made right, the right. when we made the agreement, you know, and now they're trying to shift the definition of it, you know. Mm. So I don't know how they'll go about arguing that. I'm sure they'll have their means, but um, and I'm sure they can also. There's probably plenty of references to millions of other contracts in the past that sort of adhere to that logic, you know. But 
to your point, though, you, you're right. That is what they have to argue because there is no, there's no, it's not in the Oxford Dictionary. You know what I mean? Well, if they could, could, could they do something about like you, you know how like you know for for an Oscar for a film to be an Oscar contention has to have like that six week limited run or whatever it is in theaters only or something like that. Yeah. Could they bring up something about like you know they promised her that this would be lobbied for an Oscar or for I don't know performance or score or CGI or something like that. And then like they kind of pulled the rug on that and then they kind of did the dual release and that that kind of oh uh, yeah they kind of used something there about like you know as proof of they they intended for this release only or something like that. Potentially. I don't know the ins and outs of that. I mean, I don't know if that because the academy sort of changed that, didn't they? Because and then obviously, you know, June's still coming out HBO Max Day One. Does that mean that's not eligible for Oscars? You know what I mean? I feel like there's there might be more to that. Mm. I'm not too sure. I think if I think, their rules are as strict as that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing to come out of this is that industry practice and like like so does Disney specifically like you know just industry in general is like how how often they ignore the writers and, you know, they disrespect the talents. And, you know, it's fun that that's someone of, you know, Scotch's, you know, stature. It's finally going to get noticed of like how often they, you know, just fuck over writers or directors or, you know, smaller, you know, actors and whatever. And it's finally going to bring that to a bit more attention. Sure. Yeah, hopefully. Well, didn't, I think. I don't know of any examples. Sorry. Yeah. You got to say one. Sorry. I was thinking about Emma Stone thinking of doing something about Corolla, but yeah. Uh, I saw that. But didn't they actually renegotiate with Stone? Or didn't she reach out and they actually like came to an agreement? Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying, like, I saw that and some other, like, like as you said, it's brought attention to this kind of thing. And I saw, like, other people, you know, talking about things. I don't know. Like, it's brought awareness, as you said, to um, this kind of thing. It's it's kind of similar to last year when the, like those directors and whatever like they they started that petition or whatever it is about like HBO's like simultaneous release like when Villeneuve and Nolan or whoever it was, you know, they were, they were saying you know, this isn't right, or whatever. It's it's it, it's it's similar to that, but this time it's got legal implications other than just a lobbying for a change, you know. Yeah, well, it makes yeah. me wonder. To the point of this, you know, maybe. Establishing not legal, not necessarily legal precedent. Precedent, we don't know that yet. But in, like, just common phrase, not not legal definite, not capital P precedent, but um, establishing precedent for you know people p- potentially doing that in relation to Warner Brothers and HBO Max too, right? Because you'd imagine a lot of talent there would be in the exact same boat. Maybe people are like, oh shit, can mm. I see can I see old mate WB right now? I don't know, maybe. Yeah, who do you who do you think will win? I mean, <laughs> Disney will obviously buy the court, and then just like you know, they'll just mm. just rule in their favor. These things normally oh, reach an out of court settlement, so I imagine ScarJo will get a pocket of cash from Disney, and it won't continue. That's probably my this would, prediction. It's like she's never going to work with Disney again, or, or do you reckon that's going to be the thing, or do you reckon? I wouldn't imagine anytime soon. I don't know. Maybe never. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, conveniently for her, her character's dead now, so. No, conveniently for Disney, really. <laughs> yeah, no, true, yes. <laughs> no more Avengers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, there's a Netflix live-action Pokemon series in development. Does that, does this do anything for – this will do something for you, Jan, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of imagining, like, you know, nightmare fuel Pokemon designs, though. I mean, like <laughs> – did you like the way they looked in Detective Pikachu? 
I did. I, re- I really enjoyed them. I thought they were really good oh, renditions. Cool. But, like, I'm worried that yeah. Netflix is going to try some weird shit, you know? Yeah. They'll make Ash, like, 22 years old and actually Maybe they'll make probably... him a compelling character. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably I'm not even going to be Ash, you know, to be one of the video game protagonists. Yeah, it'll be red or blue and you get to choose. Yeah. Oh, you know, dude, you can imagine if it's like a choose your own adventure, like um, Bandersnatch or whatever it was. Oh, that'd actually be interesting. That'd be so sick. Choose your starter and like, can you know, like if it's just a game but live action on Netflix, dude, that'd be so good. That cool, PvP. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix t- live action TV show. What the fuck? That's wild. Netflix, um, contact me. We can we can hash this out. This is my trademark right now, but I'm willing to sell it off. Yeah, absolutely. Does this do anything for you, Fitzy? Will you watch this program? Um, It'll probably I don't know. Is anyone who's in it? Is there a cast? Or no, we got nothing. We got nothing other than what I've told you. I mean, probably. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be an expensive cool. show. Yeah, you'd if, think if so. They, if they do it properly, it'd, it'd be expensive. I don't know. Yeah, live action is... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I know they're doing that live action, you know, last airbender thing. It's like... Really, you know, oh, we're really doing serious. this. Yeah, they're remaking la- la- the Last Airbender in live action. It's like, are we really doing this? You know, like so. Like I'd heard about that project years ago, but it, I didn't give a shit back then. I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. And now that I'm invested in this in this world, I'm like, why, why? Well, like, just make new shit in that world. You know, I don't want. Why would we want something that's great? Well, that's live that, action. Did, did um, you know? Nickelodeon like open like an Avatar Studios or something like that? Whoever owns Avatar now, they open up where like they can tell more short stories and more stuff. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> and to be clear, because I can already sniff my contradiction on liking Disney live action remakes, I'm not saying the the last Airbender live action show is going to be bad necessarily. I might end up really liking it. I'm just like, I'm just, uh, I'm not in the boardroom when they're pitching it. I just hope the pitch is interesting. I just, I'm not really seeing it. I don't know if it will be. I doubt it. But if it's great, whatever, that's cool. I mean. I'd sort of just on paper prefer that they put time into new shows. You haven't seen the masterpiece of a um, the live action movie as well, so no, yes, you can't really judge. I have seen it. Oh, you have. But before, but uh, that I saw it a decade ago. Before I gave a shit, it was like just I don't. I think I, I might have known it was based on a show. I don't know. I just watched it as a movie. Um, Dude, it's so goddamn bad. I, I'm going to watch it soon though because I just want to. I want to understand because I know it's like. I want to go in it from the perspective, go into it from the perspective of, is this just, do people hate on this too much because of how beloved the, the source material is? Is it actually an okay movie by itself? That's sort of the perspective I want to go in. You're it's, a remake apologist. That's all um, you are, Zach. You want remakes to be good. and you, Of course I want, you, I want everything to be good. You know? No, but like you always, I don't know, sometimes you just... Because I, I used to think that The Last Airbender, <laughs> the movie, wasn't too bad. But I think that was just because I was young when I watched it. And then, like, when I rewatched it last year, I think, you know, I, I was I was actually shocked to, like, how, how oh, dude, it's so, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. And, like, beyond, like, you know, everyone's complaints of, oh, this character's this and that pronunciation. Yeah, that's, that's my like, thing. I don't know how much of it like, is that, yeah. Beyond that, it is just not well-written okay. at all. Right. Yeah. Which hurts me because you know. I'm curious. I, I like I like Mr. Shaman, Shamalan, whatever you know, his name. Ding is. dong, yeah. Yeah, and like it, it doesn't feel good to slander a movie of his, but you know, 
needs to be said. Yeah, I know. I know. All right, we've got a couple of trailers. We've got the Ghostbusters Afterlife new trailer. Jan, tell me, tell me what's going on in, in this Ghostbusters sequel, reboot. Re- no, sequel. Force looks, Awakens. <laughs> looks too dramatic and not funny enough, you know. Um, Ghostbusters has always been a bit of a laugh, but this one looks like they're kind of driving the home a bit of drama. I mean, I'm, I'm sure in the movie there's going to be plenty of funny moments, but like the, this trailer really like... Goes hard on that. Yeah. It looks good though. Mm-hmm. It, it, like it, it looks interesting and like, you know, uh, Stranger Things kid, um, Finn. I think Finn, yeah, yeah. I wolf think so. something. Some Finn Wolf Hard. Wolf Heart. Yeah. Wolf Head. Hard. Yeah, I think it's hard. Okay. Yeah. He, he's a good actor. He he seems. Uh, I really like him. He he looks good in this. You know, I'm just worried he's going to try and do what most things do this day and try and emulate one thing or another too strongly. I don't think, like if they try and emulate Stranger Things or it or whatever, because like you know with this focus on the younger talent and whatever and like try and go down that path. When it's, you know, changing what your franchise is isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, if, if it's, you know, if it's copying, if it's not copying, but if it's imitating something too much, you know, you run the risk of Yeah. No, I get you. Army of Thieves trailer. I was shocked when, the, as you guys know, I was shocked when this trailer came out. I'm like, I feel like it was like, was it a week or two ago? I was like, oh, you know, they're making Army of the Dead spinoffs. And that's like weird enough to me as it is. And then it's like, oh, there's a trailer for one. It's it's shot, <laughs> you know. How far in advance were they working on this stuff? But anyway, what do you think of the trailer? Did Liam? Did you watch it, Liam? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, did you not watch it? No. Huh? Um, did you not watch it? Sorry. No, I watched it, but you know. Oh, um, yeah, it was good. It was good to know. I don't know. It was cool shots. I guess looks kind of fun. Hmm. Well, I um, I really liked uh, Dita. I think his name was, you know, the the, the lock picking character. So I'm, I'm I'm pretty happy to see him again. And um, it definitely uh, I I think I I'll definitely watch it. Um, and like I think the the new cast that they've pulled here, Natalie Emmanuel and some other people in the trailer that I've already, I've already forgotten. I it looks it looks fun. Yeah. And if it's not two and a half hours, like you know, Hopefully, Army of the yeah. Dead, then you know. Hopefully there's some Wagner and Mozart or whatever German German shit. This is one of those movies where I'll be I'll be waiting to sort of see the critical reception. I think like nothing about it seems you know I'm not I didn't like Army of the Dead, but I'm not like I hated to where I'm like dude I can't bear to watch this shit. Like if people like it, I'll check it out. Now it's time for our highlights of the week, Jaden. What have you been watching? Yeah, I watched the, the I watched Black Christmas, the twenty nineteen version. It's a remake of like a nineteen seventies like kind of cult classic slasher film, and it was interesting. You know, it's 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 a it's it's a, it's a hard film to criticize because it's it touts such a strong social message that you know if you, you run the risk of if you criticize the movie you, you might you don't want to fall into disagreeing with what it pushes but it pushes the message so fucking horribly that you kind of need to criticize the message but then you don't want to be because the message is exactly it, like if you criticize the message like especially me as it because it's, it's it's about You're racist you know, no it's, it's about um gen it's about like males and like you know like like gender roles and shit like that and, oh, right. so like, especially like coming from a guy criticizing 
something talking about like you know how guys are shit or whatever you know it feels like you know you run the risk of like being exactly what the movie's criticizing but it just does it poorly and like yeah, that's like yeah, that's not a that's not an uncommon opinion like on, on let on letterboxd all the top reviews are like this movie thought it was doing something with what it does but it's well, you know, like we 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 always see like people like complaining about like, you know, oh, this woman wasn't written well because and stuff like that, and like that's a that, that's a very valid in so many cases, but like in this case, it's the fact that none of the male characters are written well at all, and like the justifications and and what they do, but it's just it's just bad. But you know, it's like and like you know, also on like you know, like the the, the like <laughs> I, I hate talking about because like you know, I have no authority, but like you know, like the. Everyone like on Letterbox, I'll quote them to make myself safe. But you know, talking about like the movie's like T-shirt feminism, like the way like it, it thinks it's saying something important, but it's really just surface level and vague and just you know not there. But like beyond the social message, like it's an adequate slasher horror film. Like it's it's got a decent, it's got a decent story and like decent characters and decent stuff like that. But it's just the the, the message it tries to push, it pushes it so vehemently and like just so it's just not well executed in that that it really detracts from the rest of the film and it makes it a hard time to enjoy but like you know it's um yeah i get you i get you go for it fitzy i'll go then um um zach recommended something last week a tv show um so i watched something i recommend in between yeah i did um i've seen like 10 episodes-ish. Um, first season only had six episodes, so... Um, yeah, I watched that, and some of season two, and... Yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty um, great show. Um, the main guy is, like, this super, like, casual, like, very Australian character. He's, like... Um, he's constantly angry at dickheads at people he wants to you know he wants to hurt and he's he's such a great it's such a great performance like he's so it it is really funny um just the way they talk it's so it's so casual so australian and like um like a lot of funny one-liners as well and it's the show is really dark as well at points um it's just kind of this great mix, as Zach was saying last week. So, yeah, it's a really good show. I'm so glad, so glad you're watching it. You know, Scott Ryan, who plays Ray, who's the lead. You know, he's also the he he's also the writer and the creator of the show. Oh, okay. And he, I've read some stuff about him afterwards. He's really interesting, and this show is essentially sort of his life's work in that it's a character that he's sort of written and worked with for decades and tried to get off the ground and um and he never really considered he, he's never really considered himself an actor you know he sort of just he plays the character because he, he played the character in, in the short film he made originally and all this sort of stuff and he sort of just ended up playing the character um but it's crazy that he's, he doesn't really consider himself an actor because hmm. he's a fucking great the actor. way the way he like smiles yeah. you know it's fucking intimidating as well it's great dude yeah no, totally totally yeah um, I watched a film called Atonement. I believe you have you seen it, Fitzy? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, yeah, dude. Dude, I I went into this movie. I had one of those m- moments that I love when this gets to happen. Where I just like 
sit down for the night and I just like, dude, the world is my oyster. I can watch any film right now. And then I, I spent like, I do, I love, one of my favorite parts is choosing the movie. Like I love sitting there for half an hour and just scrolling through the streaming services. There's oh, so many times like, I'll be on Netflix for 20 minutes and then I'll just like be like, I'll just go to my room and watch Twitch or some shit because I'm like, no, I, I don't <laughs> Cause know. Because you just can't decide. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Um, but I, I sort of love that process though. And I sort of sit there and wait till something like really connects. I'm like, for no reason, by the way, I've never seen the movie. Obviously I'm just like, some reason this is really what I'm seeing of this. I feel like I'm in the mood for somewhere. I'm just going to freaking play it. And oh dude, it's a killer movie. Absolutely loved it. And obviously I had no expectations other than it's directed by Joe Wright. And um, what sort of hit or miss on his films generally. I think this is probably most akin to Pride and Prejudice, just in the setting and the Kira Knightley being the lead or whatever. Um, but I enjoy this way more than Pride and Prejudice. And the movie stuck with me. I think that's one of the main things that, you know, I think it's pretty obvious you can tell when a film's great for you. I'm still sort of thinking about the movie the next day and where it left off. It was so engaging, incredibly well shot. Fitz, you know, of course, that, that five-minute one take was nuts. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. nuts. It, it might be like, you know, 1917 did the whole movie. Yeah, whatever, dude. That shit was insane. That shit was insane. Um, but outside of that, though, just from a character perspective, the story they were telling is so interesting. And the first like the first half an hour is basically all just set up. You know, they're laying the groundwork of the family and the characters and shit. And I'm watching and I'm like, I'm enjoying it. But I'm sort of like, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know where this is going. And I was, I was I was digging the interactions, but then when it like re, like lays out, okay, this is this is the this is the moment the the event which kickstarts the rest of the film. I'm like, oh shit, this is what we're doing, and it just kept going and going, and some of the twists and shit just got me, really got me. Um, I was enthralled. I absolutely loved it. Are you are you on a similar vein? Yeah, I mean, I I was like it really like affected me you know well i rewatched it like the next day because i was like i can't stop like fe- thinking and like feeling you know the pain you know um yeah but, no totally i get that oh uh, yeah it's a beautiful movie um like and there's like three main characters as well and every one of them is interesting to follow you know and like even the one you don't know if you want to follow so yeah yeah dude it's fantastic, yeah. 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 That's a movie that's would be an awesome like spoiler talk discussion with anyone, you know. Mm, yeah, there's a lot to talk about as well. There yeah. is. There is. It's an awesome movie. So yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, as always, now we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you what is your favorite British film of all time? Jai wrote in and said, for sure, 28 days later, no cap is the best British movie of all time. Uh, do you guys have been a deja vu, you know, like experience that? Mm, with that. Mm. It's, it's wild. Aiden said, Peter Rabbit. I haven't seen Peter Rabbit. Is it, hang on, isn't, is it James Corden that, in that movie? Yeah. And Margot Robbie. It's got, oh, really? it's, it's got kind of a stacked cast. It was actually shot down here. Really? Yeah. Oh, then it doesn't count, Aiden. Sorry. It's no, no, <laughs> fine. Um, Spooky put out a few things, didn't they? And like, yeah, I feel like I'm gonna have to pick one. You know what I mean? Uh, what do you say? So Luke says, "Does the Dark Knight count?" No, absolutely not at not. all. <laughs> like, the, I, like possibly one of the furthest things from. Um, 
Henry says Monty Python and the Holy Grail is a classic. Perfect, perfect example. Henry Henry understood the question clearly. Um, mm. Luke comes back with a bit of a redemption story though. He says I enjoyed the Kingsman Secret Service movies. They were fun. Yeah, that's a that's a good answer. It's a good answer. I haven't seen the second one though. Is that as good? Mm, no. They do something I really don't like at the start. I mean, like it's just a personal thing, but I mean, like you know, it's it's still okay. good. I still like it. It's still a bit fun, but I think the first one's better. Okay, okay. Um, Andy says my favorite British film is probably Match Point, directed by Woody Allen, a criminal friend of the show. I felt I'm not gonna lie. I read up on Woody Allen a little bit because I feel like it's one of those like zeitgeist things where sometimes like we sort of get caught up in oh, everyone says that he's this so let's just I, I didn't really know anything about it i read up on it and definitely some really dodgy accusations there not gonna lie really dodgy accusations but sort of not proven in any way so i'm just like eh, yeah I don't know. it's it's yeah it's, it's sort of weird yeah i don't know I, I don't know if i'm willing to cast full judgment but whatever um it's out there for you set in london filled with british actors talking in basic posh london accents grass tennis courts involved wow i love it Includes that, yeah. Scarlett Johansson being the only American and unlike Midnight in Paris, this is a pretty dark film with unsuspected thrills and a spill. I love that. That's a great, like, put that on the box. Look it up and check it out if it's if it's available. Woody himself is a Yankee though, isn't he? He's not British. Yeah, no, he's a Yankee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Would you count that? Yeah, why not? I mean... I don't know. I think like it, like yeah. I think I think that you would count that in that like it's thematically, you know, British. Yeah, I'd say with the question the way it was posed, it's 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 fine. Yeah, you know, the Dark Knight, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I think um, him bringing up grass court tennis is actually valid because I think I'm not sure how much it is, but like you know, so Australia uses concrete courts, French uses the clay courts. And then the British use the grass tennis courts. So, like, it actually is, like, a valid point about the brain being British. No, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is – wait, hang on. What do, what do we use? It's not, it's not concrete, is it? I'm pretty sure it is, isn't it? Is like some kind of, It's some kind of similar compound. Clay, grass, and – Asphalt. It says hard court, which is just – it's hard court, which is concrete. Sure. Okay, that's yeah. fair. I never really thought of it as concrete, but tennis podcast. <laughs> Jaden, what's your favorite British film of all time? I don't know because I don't want to rehash my answers because I feel like I've too often been like, oh yeah, this one, this one, and it's just you know uh, getting getting kind of tired. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you know, how many times can I say you know fucking a Guy Ritchie film or an Edgar Wright film? <laughs> hmm. Slaughterhouse Rules. <laughs> Honestly. Why not? Um, can't say Harry Potter because I've talked about it too much as well. Mm, Skyfall, there we go, bang. Oh, Done. great one. Great choice. Yeah. Yeah, cool. just nothing, nothing needs to be said about that. I think I've even mentioned that on the show before, but, you know, less often. <laughs> Everyone knows how awesome that movie is. Is there anyone on the planet Earth who doesn't like Skyfall? And if, if, if you do. Oh, okay. It's not that he doesn't like it, but he prefers the older British, like not, not the older, like more campy kind of classic ones. Sure, sure. Oh, that's sort of fair. As a like, if you're a Bond fan, I sort of understand. So I guess I take back what I said. Um, I guess mine is Atonement. You know, that's it. That feels a bit like recency bias. So, in case you want to, 
you know, you feel like that that's not good enough, then I'll tell you the Half-Blood Prince because it's a killer movie. That movie is so... I feel like the movie's underrated. Like, I know like, everyone likes all the Harry Potter movies, obviously, and that's <laughs> what's so impressive about that franchise as it is, that there's not really a weak one. No, There's no Harry Potter movie that, that someone's like, oh, yeah, but that one sucked. You know, like, that, that just it's not a thing. Um, But I feel like... So I don't think it's underrated in that sense, but I feel like just as a film by itself, it is. I feel like people don't talk about it enough as a solo outing, you know, apart from the franchise. But so I'll, I'll say though, I'll throw those two out there. What about you, Liam? Um, I actually forgot about Atonement when I was looking through my things. So that's up there. But um, yeah, it's probably, it's probably naked. Um, Mike Lee's naked, um, which I, none of you guys have seen. So that's awkward, but um, um, David Thewlis, he plays this, um, um, like vet, uh, like he's like this really like bitter, like venting, um, Manchester guy. He comes to London, um, after the first scene is literally him, um, it's literally him raping someone and then he steals a car and drives to London and then he basically tries to make everyone miserable for the rest of the film um, with his verbal, uh, you know, abuse with his, with his wit, um, just kind of talking about the meaningless of, meaninglessness of life and how everything sucks and it's enthralling. It's, a, it's an amazing film. Um, it's like one of the best performances. I've probably my favorite performance of all time, honestly, David Thewlis in, uh, in Naked. And it's, it, yeah, it's dark. It's, it's um, I don't know, it's philosophical. It's Yeah, I have a 360p cool. copy of this on my laptop. Is it worth watching that one or should yeah, I wait for a higher okay, time? So should I wait for I a higher actually, like, I, would, I was wanting to watch the film for ages and then I saw like a YouTube version of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to watch a YouTube version. I think that was the like, I started I watching. I started watching it and I was like, I was like enthralled by it. So like I finished that. But like, so I've got the DVD now. I've already rewatched it like twice, but I've got the DVD now, so finally I might have a good version. But yeah, I I don't know. It's actually very hard to get hold of a copy, like a good copy. Like David Thule, like um, there was a story like a fan met David Thulis and he was like talking about how he couldn't get a copy, and David Thulis was like, "Oh, I can't either." It was like really difficult. But um, yeah. So watch the three sixty version or no? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's really funny. Now you can watch it on DVD. You're like, oh, I can actually see what's happening. Oh, that's a person right there. That's not like some weird mm. pixelated blob. I get it. Yeah. As always, we'd love you to submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comment section. Send us a DM on Instagram or type it in the Discord. And the specific question we'll be asking you is, what is your favorite film that is non-linear, that has a non-linear story? Plenty to choose from. You'll need to consider it, probably linearly, as we all experience time. You'll need to think about that, but, you know, let us know. Don't say Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is banned from the answers. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I agree, I agree. Yeah. People are going to say that, are they? Definitely. Someone just attacked my door. Um, that's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Thanks, everyone, for listening, as always. Fitzy, what are we watching next week? <laughs> Um, we're doing a discussion, a review, 
analysis you could say of um American Psycho um classic film with um Christian Christian Bale um he plays as an American Psycho he's a Wall Street <laughs> it's been heavily Street, requested uh, by our listeners heavily requested yeah by one individual yeah. <laughs> now as to where you can watch it I'm just gonna say. You know, it's not available in any streaming services. You can't rent it. You know, if you have a physical copy, that's great. And you especially cannot watch it on YouTube for free. You cannot find a free copy on YouTube for free if you're interested. Don't even try. And if you think we're going to endorse something like that, think again, you know. We cannot endorse something that may or may not be there. Don't watch a German titled American Psycho on YouTube. That's also important. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it would ever be titled with the German title, but it is not. Anyway, mm. thanks, guys, for joining me. Have a great you rest of your week. My car. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And goodbye. <laughs>